Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Amanda Loudon. Hello, Amanda. Hi. What is this, our third one in a week or something, I think? <laughs> I know. My gosh, this is becoming a, a habit. It really um, is. <laughs> but one of them hasn't aired yet. So to some people, this will just be your oh, second week in a okay. row. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we were together last week in Ogden. That yes. was fun. Yes, it was so much fun. I think it was such a fantastic group of girls. Um, is girls okay to say? I don't know. A group of women. <laughs> um, it, it, it was, you know, it really was. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm afraid that we've that we've totally blown our weather karma, though. I mean, what spectacular weather we had! Yeah. All four days, great race weather at Ogden Marathon, Half Marathon Relay, 5K. I mean, my gosh, it was just stupendous. You know what, though? I think everyone made up for it on the back end with travel. So um... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So the, so the karma equation has evened out. You are yeah. so right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, the delays were just outrageous. Oh, it seemed like everyone, I really felt bad. I, I, I'm thankful that I was, <laughs> I avoided it this time. I know, and you were like, oh, I just landed in Baltimore. And we're like, yeah. <laughs> uh, like Adrian ended up spending the night in Salt Lake oh, and then her luggage got lost on the way home. Yeah. And the, the, all the ladies from Kansas or three of the ladies from Kansas city, I think didn't get into the airport until like 1am or something. It was just, yes. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So yeah. So, okay. Well, good, good. I'm glad then the, the karma equation. Cause I'm like, Oh no, what torrential <laughs> rain is going to hit us in Cape Cod or next yeah. year at all four of our retreats, you know, something, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. So, uh, so what was for you, what was the high point of the retreat? You know, there were so many good moments, but I think that the Saturday evening celebration party is just kind of the highlight because I think everyone, the pressure's off from racing. Everyone this year seemed to have phenomenal races. So there was a oh lot of celebrating yeah. and everyone's, everyone has bonded by that point. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's just a nice, you know, a, a nice way to wrap. Well, it's not quite the wrap up, but you know, I, I think that's my favorite part of, of these retreats now that I've, you know, experienced. I don't know. How about you? Yes. Well, and first of all, I have to say, I'm so glad that the birds have joined us again, Snow White. I mean, I just yeah. adore the sound of those little birds in the background. They follow me everywhere I go. Do they carry ribbons and, and lace it through your hair? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, well, I'm totally with you on favorite part of the retreat. Um, although I have to say that that first night reception was just such a beautiful oh. location. Yes. Oh my goodness. That what they exposed, it was on second floor exposed brick, um, beautiful, un, you know, kind of rough hewn wood floors. And then it was so amazing at this place, the woman, I think she, I don't quite understand, but somehow she has this very, um, varied array of, um, glassware. And so everyone got to go in and choose the wine glass or, um, highball glass or whatever they wanted to drink out of. And so, so much fun. It was almost like an icebreaker just in that, like the people who they had, she had ones that had like, um, blinged out, um, Chanel, the Chanel yeah. logo. And so I loved like <laughs> Ashley from Kansas city got that yes. one. I was like, Oh, that's perfect for you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was very fun. But yes, of course the Saturday night, um, dinner and, um, especially for me, the karaoke was the high point. Uh. <laughs> it certainly was. At, at, at one point, um, I can't remember who it was that was nearby me, and she looked over at me. It might have even been Dimity, but I can't remember. And she's like, Sarah is just in her element. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said to me, I'll never listen to the podcast the same way anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, well, first of all, my, um, belief with Carrie, I, I it's real shocker to people who listen to my spoken voice, but I do not have a pleasant singing voice. And, um, that, I believe, and I've long believed, that enthusiasm goes a long way, and, and Alex is nodding his head very vigorously, goes a long way in covering up um, a not great singing voice, a poor singing voice. And so I announced that in the beginning, and then I thought, okay, like, you know, the, the, this was a team decision, Team AMR, to have the, the karaoke. And I thought, okay, great, you know, so my other team members will jump into it. Nope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and beforehand I had said to Dimity I'm like okay Dimity I've been thinking about this a lot like we totally have to open with you know Taylor Swift's 22 she's like no I was like okay a different Taylor Swift song 
no, sir, I'm not doing karaoke. And I was like, oh my gosh, but it was your and Katie's idea to have it. And I'm in love with the idea. So, so, so I just had to rush around and uh, find, because I did not want to get up there and do a solo, because then it would really highlight what a terrible voice I have. So, yeah. So. Well, there were, there were plenty of participants, so it all worked out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I got Stephanie, who is a repeat um, retreater. She was with us last fall in Spokane. No, I think two years yeah. ago in Spokane. Yeah, two years ago. And so... Fall too. Yeah. Oh, it was just last fall. Okay. Um, and so I got her to do Stronger by Kelly Clarkson because great running song and just kind of like a, a women's anthem. And oh my gosh, when she was going around the back of the crowd, like, like yes. pumping her fist, yes. I was like, yeah, now we're talking. Yes. And, uh, and then I had, um, and then for the second song, when I realized that I have to keep this going, otherwise we're going to stop after one song. <laughs> then Kathy joined me for one of the greatest uh, ballads of all time for karaoke, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was just, oh my gosh. I just, oh, I mean, that song, it's so scandalous, you know? <laughs> I, I, I think I told a few people that I was not, um, I, I used to go to my friend's house to listen to that and her mom, if she would catch us, we'd get in trouble. So yeah. No, no. Oh my gosh. I had a very fancy friend in sixth grade, Amy Harris, who actually I reconnected through AMR about a year or two after the first book came out. And she had a jukebox at her house, which I just thought was so, and I'm talking a true jukebox. I'm not talking like some like digital thing that maybe somebody has now. Like it was a true jukebox and they had that disc on there. And oh my gosh, we would just sing and sing and sing that song Um, (laughs) and and feel so in the know that we knew what it really meant. Uh, (laughs) So I played the meatloaf role and I don't recall the name of the female singer on that song. I'm sure someone's yelling it out as they run along. But so Kathy did that. Oh my gosh, such fun. Um, Yeah. Ended up doing two, two T Swift songs um, uh, blank space. And I'm forgetting what the other one was. And, oh my gosh. Then, then, then finally other people came in. I loved Allison letting loose with what was that like nineties rap? It was not rapper's delight. It was something. Yes. Yes. It's not hotel motel, but I don't, oh my gosh, what's the refrain on this? She was just crushing it. And the lyrics were so so there's so many lyrics or so many words. Yeah, she wasn't looking at the screen at all. Yeah, like she knew them too because it's it's a fast song. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! So that was fantastic. And then a whole bunch of gals got up and did um, "Lights" by Journey, which of course is a great song to sing. And oh my god! Um, then that funny uh, Dixie Chicks song, the one about Wanda yeah, and no, Earl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen the lyrics to that one. That was interesting. Yeah, that was very interesting. That was like kind of. I mean, they were doing a great job, but it was like, wow, this is a downer of a song. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize it was Dixie Chicks. If I had known it was Dixie Chicks, I would have at least kind of kept engaged during that. I was kind of like, ramp, like this song ain't working for me. But yeah. um, oh yeah, my goodness. Yeah. And then people got up. We did Greece, you know, like a huge crowd of people got up and did Greece. And that one. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. You finally, thank you, Amanda, for joining (laughs) Team AMR. Hold on. And, and so, yeah, you finally got in on it. And I think Adrian went up there a little bit. No, or am I? I think she did. I feel like, but I mean, but I mean, Dimity, Katie, Maggie, nope. Um, (laughs) um, And I was, I was surprised, I guess. I'm of the thinking that that if someone kind of tugs at my arm enough, I'll go do it. Right. And, um, Agreed. Yeah. 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 And there were definitely people that were like, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. I'm, I'm staying right here. I'm staying right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you carried carried it all very well for for everyone else. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. So up. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was, and it was appropriate that I did two Taylor Swift songs because right. I saw T Swift in concert on Tuesday night. How with, was it? Oh my goodness. It was fantastic. Um, and since my kids don't listen to the podcast, I can remind people that I took Phoebe. I secretly took Phoebe, my older daughter to see Taylor up in Seattle uh, for the 1989 tour in 2015. And okay. so then when and we had D 
decent seats for that. We were on the floor, but way in the back. And that's when I told myself that, like, I would do whatever it took to get great seats to bring the twins back. So I did, and I played the whole Ticketmaster verified fan game. If anybody's played it, they know. I ran to some uh, moms in Eau Claire, and I don't know how the topic came up. Maybe a Taylor Swift song was playing over the loudspeaker at the expo. But we got, it turns out they were going to go see her, I forget where, maybe in Kansas City or someplace. And, um, and so we started talking, and it turns out they had done the verified fan thing. So, uh, so that was fun bonding over that. But so we went up. I took the kids out after a half day of school. And I was not alone. There were a lot of particularly moms that had taken their kids out of middle school to go see T Swift. And, and, um, so, oh my gosh, it was, I mean, she just put on a great show. I mean, it was truly, it's called the reputation stadium tour and it was definitely a stadium show. I mean, enormous, enormous sets. And there were three, uh, like the stage had kind of several runways for lack of a better term. But then she also rode in um, these things that took her out over the audience and took her to one stage that was at the back, let's say, um, east or no, yeah, the north corner of the stadium. And then she walked through the crowd. I mean, she was surrounded by security, but I mean, she was high-fiving a lot of people um, to go over to this other smaller stage at, um, let's call it the South corner, which is where we were near. And so I was like, come on twins, we're going. And we got within like 20 feet of her. And I mean, I just was looking at her. I'm like, that's really Taylor Swift right, right there. That's Taylor Swift. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, uh, she sang shake it off when she, we got, so she, we were up close saying that when she sang dress, which I love that song. And, um, and so Phoebe did not go with us, I, even though I had enough tickets um, that I ended up selling the extras, but uh, she, because she thinks that Taylor Swift victimizes herself on the Reputation CD. Really? And yes, she has a whole, she could give me a diatribe about it. And I can I can see her point for sure, and I respect that, and I wasn't going to force someone to go to a concert. So, um, but um, what was my point in all of that? I don't remember, but... Um, uh, but, but, oh, but I remember when Phoebe said to me, she's like, plus, I don't like the Reputation CD. I'm like, neither do I, but I'm going to force myself to like it by the time I see that concert. And so I really did a full immersion of that CD. And I have to say, other than the first two single, singles that were released, I think it's just genius. I just adore it. Adore it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So, and I do have to put in a plug. I um, discovered a podcast called Switched on Pop. And Alex, you know that podcast? Mm-mm. And I'm surprised you don't because you dig music and it's, um, and it's these two music guys and they really dive into either a song or an album or an artist or something and really explain kind of how the musical elements are working in it, both from a technical standpoint and from a kind of mm, stylistic standpoint. It was fascinating stuff. Like there's one about two of the songs on the new CD I'm going to go back and listen to it again. I mean, and it made me, I've always, okay, I'll, and I'll promise I'll stop talking about Tay-Tay in a second, but <laughs> I've always thought she was a brilliant businesswoman and a very talented musician. But after listening to that podcast, like, like I have even higher props for her than I did before. I'll just say that. So anyway, so uh, yeah, so it was a fantastic show. Uh, but then, so I had been going pretty much nonstop. You know, I went out to my, I'd been in Eau Claire then um, two days later, I went to my father's funeral. Uh, then the next week, went to Ogden for the retreat and then drove up to see Taylor Swift. And on the drive back yesterday, I I was barely able to keep my eyes open. It was just, yeah, <laughs> oh my God. I mean, you would have been there anyhow, but then, I mean, you know, like yeah, with all the, the physical activity, but throw in the emotional part, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's draining. Yeah. It's very draining and I will, you know. Mm-hmm. For more for, for more of that coming down the road, yeah, yeah, so. it yeah it was uh, I was I um like for a couple rest like as we're coming up approaching rest stops on I five I was almost said to the twins like hey you know I'm just gonna pull off and just close my eyes for a couple minutes yeah. and I thought and I thought though that they would get they would get so gripey with me about it that then it would drive the tiredness out of me so um I did not do it and and but we made it home just fine so yeah good. Yeah, and then I took a nap at five fifteen when we got home. <laughs> oh, excellent! excellent. 
<laughs> what you have to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And serve leftovers for dinner. So, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so coach Amanda put on your yeah. coaching hat. Um, yeah. and, uh, because today's topic was suggested by you and our upcoming guest, MK Fleming, the beloved heart rate training coach in the train, like a mother club. Um, it is about how to pick the ideal race for you, um, a race in which you can perform at your best and enjoy. So we will dive into that topic after this brief break. Stay with us. So Coach MK, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, we missed you in Ogden, but I hear you had a um, family vacation last week, and and but you were also on maternity leave. That was the main reason you were not in Ogden. So we got very lucky. My husband um, has never been able to take paternity leave before because he's been mm. up for partner pretty much for the past four years, and finally we're at a point where it's um, he just bit the bullet and said, you know what, I'm taking all 16 weeks. I was like, yeah, yeah. Right. I never truly thought it would happen. Mm-hmm. And then it did. And it was glorious. So this was um, that that the our family vacation capped off his paternity leave. He goes back to work on Tuesday. So we got to spend 28 glorious hours together with our three toddlers and a newborn driving to Coeur d'Alene from Denver. I missed you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it also it sounds like you live in Sweden taking with him taking 16 weeks of paternity leave that's wonderful no that's lovely they yeah. had just initiated the policy and he was one of the first senior managers to take it so um he jumped on that pretty quickly before they could change their mind I guess they right, I, right. I think they put it out there assuming people wouldn't do it mm-hmm. um but after being on deck for partner for four years and not being able to take any vacations he had enough mm-hmm. and said you know what I'm just gonna take it all in one fell swoop we're fair nice. that's well, great kudos to Alex for showing others in his company or his firm to to do that so um so well, well, talking about you going somewhere else, um, that sort of leads into the first topic that we're going to cover, because I want to break down the various considerations for race selection. Again, we're talking about how to um, people can choose the best race for them with emphasis on, on that it's the best race for them, not necessarily for even their running partner or their next door neighbor or their cousin, sister, whatever it is, but the best race for them. So um, I'm thinking that uh, we break it down into different categories. It's like a round of jeopardy. So let's start with geography, like home versus away race. You know, I think when it comes to geography, it kind of depends on where you live. Um, Hmm. Being in Denver, we're at altitude, and I really don't like racing here. And that has nothing to do with anything other than I'm super fast when I go to sea level. It's like growing wings overnight. Why would I race here if I don't, if I can plan in advance and do something with that? So it's very rare that I race locally, but um, for others who live in Flatlandia or have a really great race nearby, why wouldn't you? I think what higher level when I'm thinking about geography, I think about what I need to get out of that training cycle or out of that year. Spring, generally speaking, I'm very big on patterns. I don't like change very much. Um, And Mm -hmm. I do the same things over and over again. And spring, I've never lived anywhere where spring was a great time to train or brought great weather. Therefore, Mm. my spring race was always a travel race that would, I would bring friends along and we'd have like a, a mini a mini girls weekend. Like, for example, mm-hmm. a few years ago, most, most of us had just had babies and we we're like, Big Sur, no one can go there mm-hmm. with the time goal. That race is hard. So we mm-hmm. went, we've gotten into the 21 miler and we spent three days after that driving around wineries and having a big old time. So that was one of my favorite races ever. Don't ask me about my time. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> and so that that's one consideration with geography it's like do i if you if you're even if you are looking for, if you're looking for a pr that's probably going to narrow down the list of races you can choose from but if you don't have that constraint why wouldn't you go somewhere fun especially if you don't have something local mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean i'm going to piggyback on that and just say um i think that if you are going for a pr um i would you know i think it's best to 
stay somewhat locally. Yeah, and by, yeah. I mean, you know, like a couple of hours drive, maybe at the most, um, you know, because I mean, the idea of super local right near your home, probably not that many people have good opportunities. But but um, but, you know, I, I've flown across the country to California before to run some races. I mean, I, I flew over to um to run uh, California International one year, and I was going for a PR. And you know what? It was stupid because, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, it was trains, planes, and automobiles, and it was a time change, and it was, you know, it was all these different things. And I just don't think the odds are in your favor. I think, you know, if you're going for a PR, stay a little bit more local. But, yes, agree with MK. If you're going and just going to have a good time, I mean, I also flew to California to run the Napa Valley Marathon, and what a wonderful time that was. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you also do bring up a good point that we sort of touched on in the away races uh, podcast a few weeks ago is about time differences. And that I know that, um, you know, when I've gone to Disney races in Florida, you know, which already start early enough, and then to throw in the fact that I've just flown and I'm on West Coast time and here I am on the East Coast, I mean, that can be rough. And I, th- I oftentimes think about wanting to do um, that um, marathon up in Maine Um in Acadia what's the name of it MDI Mount Desert Island yes exactly and I just right I think it sounds so beautiful but oh my gosh what a schlep to get there in case we need reminders of geography Maine is really far from Oregon and it's hilly and it's tough to get to and it's three hours you know ahead of where I am right now and so for a while there I was really into just doing races in my own own time zone you know, I could travel north south, but I couldn't go very far east west. So, um, yeah. Well, one other consideration to sort of add to that east west, also maybe not north south, but just up and down is altitude. I can't tell you how many people have. Um, or how many clients that I've had that have registered for races. For Huntsville in, in Utah is, is a great example. Oh, MK, it's downhill, and they have a guarantee. Downhill, yeah. And I'm like, yes. But it's 6,000 feet of altitude more than where you live right now. Who cares? It's downhill. I'm like, there's still that that <laughs> altitude. And that's a big altitude difference. And that really adds a wrinkle. Gen- the rule of thumb for me, if it's 2,000 feet at differential from you or more, that's that's the I mean the more it's going to impact you right so we don't really if it's a thousand feet difference meh, whatever but two thousand plus we need to start having some conversations you yeah. know we we de- amanda you can attest to this we definitely start we saw a lot of that at our retreat in ogden because uh for the marathon which i think there were 14 women at the retreat out of 52 women who did the marathon um mm-hmm. and that starts at an altitude of 5400 feet Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, women were definitely feeling, I know that I even felt it. I was, I didn't race and, but I went swimming twice there. And, uh, the first time I got in the pool, I, I was like, after a hundred yards, I'm like, oh, I'm having a panic attack. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm swimming at altitude. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can tell you, it's funny because, um, you know, I'm sea level. And so when we ran just the shakeout runs and whatnot, um, in Ogden, it was, it was okay. Um, but then I did the first leg of the relay. So going up an extra thousand or so feet then for mm-hmm. the relay, then I could feel it, that extra mm-hmm. that extra thousand on top of the 4,000 I was already experiencing. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, it makes a difference for sure. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. live at 5,200 feet. There's a race in steamboat that starts at 6,400. That's just 1,200 feet more. That difference is mahoosive. So yeah, it's, it's all relative, but it's definitely something to consider. A lot of the, I would never say don't do this race. That's far away and at altitude. I would say just adjust your expectations and know what you're there for. Cause there's why, why would you go to MDI for a PR? It, why would you cross that finish line and be disappointed with what you've done? It's a gorgeous race. It's a hilly race. And just knowing that, having that in your mind before you get there, it just increases the chances of you looking back on that weekend as being like, man, that was awesome, as opposed to, well, it wasn't a PR, but, which, mm-hmm. wah, wah, wah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, and then race date. You know, I think a lot of people just sort of think like, oh, spring race, fall race. But, in talking to the women at the retreat, I was really struck by the number of reasons that come into play. You know, I know, Amanda, you're thinking already next year about, you know, when your, you know, son's graduation is, or yeah. high school graduation is, or I mean, I was talking to some women, um, I was driving them down to the Ogden airport, so Melissa, and she was saying how she could, um, you know, fall races are really tough for her, October ones, because she works for the military, and the fiscal year ends 
or begins, I don't know which, you know, in October. Mm-hmm. And then other people are like, oh, spring's totally the busy time for my work. Or, oh, my kids always have, you know, tons of sports. So training's hard then. So I think there's so much to consider when you choose a race date. Yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah, all of those factors, you know, like think about the time, not even so much the time necessarily of the race itself, but the time that you're going to be training and in the uh-huh. thick part of training. And does that, you know, go along with your schedule and your busiest time of the year? And then the second thing on geography, I'm sorry, not geography, <laughs> on timing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the second thing that I, this is a, a big opinion of mine is I always tell people if you're going for time, I would rather see you slog through the summer months and run that race in the fall mm-hmm. when things cool down than the opposite. I mm-hmm. think the opposite can be so, so tough. You get these these terribly cold winters and then you go out, you know, maybe on an April day and expect a PR and you get thrown your first 80 degree day, you know, so. Um, With pollen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a fall fan myself for, for, for time, you know, um, mm-hmm. if again, that, that fits with your, your schedule. So I completely agree a hundred percent with everything you just said. The, and to be clear, I feel like we're talking about haves and fools because trying to get people to travel for shorter mm-hmm. distances is, is tough. Like why would I go anywhere for just a 10 miler or a 5k? And that's fair. Right. I completely understand it. Um, you know, but that. <laughs> If you're trying to PR at any distance, I think it makes sense to approach it with the same mindset. A 5K, um, you still have to train for it. You still have to think about it. You still have to choose a good course and a good time of year. All the same considerations. But I feel like people just put less consideration into into 5K, 10Ks, um, into all of this and say, oh, it's just a 5K. I'll do this. And then go in expecting it to be better than the last one they did. And they come up disappointed. And it's like, well, it's you're in the middle of March and there was a hailstorm in Thailand where you were. Why did you do that? So, right. <laughs> Oh yeah. Those Thai races, man, I've had just no luck when I've gone to Thailand to race. Yeah. <laughs> That's a true story, by the way. That one of my oh, I sense there, I sense there was, but I'm like, Oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> a client signed up who was on a family vacation, her, realized that there would be a race there, signed up, didn't mention where it was for a really long time. And they were oh, going boy. to Thailand in monsoon season to do this right. Ooh. And she was like, we might as well do a race while we're there. And I'm like, this is the worst idea probably ever. Um, and I've had some really <laughs> bad ones in my time. So that um, I, I, I say that lovingly, but it's a true story. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Although I think sometimes when if we're talking bucket races, um, you sort of can't pick and choose and what brought bucket races to mind mk was when you mentioned 10 milers because i think there are i think that race distance is you know there's more of them popping up Mm -hmm. but i think some people it's just like well i've always wanted to do the cherry blossom 10 miler and it happens to be in april Mm -hmm. in dc and come what may you know and and um but yeah, you know, that's fine though for, for 5Ks. I mean, when I've been wanting to to really, you know, try to set a PR, I choose it very, very carefully and do a lot of research for it. And um, although that said, my 5K PR was set in Connecticut when I was home visiting my parents a long time ago. But um, so who, who, well, I'm talking on my butt now, you know, it's good the microphone's there. So, uh. <laughs> well, I always think about, I like to say that. I'm a marathoner because I'm lazy. I really, really Mm. hate working hard, like really, really hard work, unless there's a specific payoff um, that's almost guaranteed to come my way. And when it comes to 5Ks or 10Ks, man, those workouts are brutal and I never want to do them again. Uh, The type (laughs) of speed work that comes along with a half or a full is much more palatable to me. So I'm like, I will run a road ultra sounds great. I'm like, what does that speed work look like? Oh, that's just jumping up and down. It's going to be awesome. So, um, (laughs) but the 10 mile distance is, is phenomenal. You've got the the broad street run. You've got, there's um, Peace Street down in Georgia. Uh, There's so many good ones to choose from that I think are worth traveling for. Um, You're, I mean, go visit friends and see a fun part of the country. Like, during cherry blossom season in dc i went to georgetown undergrad it's a great time to be there even if it's not a pr perfect race you're gonna have a great time yeah 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 definitely and also i think one thing we need to before we move on from race date i think we need to also remind women who might be thinking about their first 
full and possibly first half marathon, how tricky it can be to train during the summer if you don't have your kids in scheduled activities Um, or just, I don't know. And then like, you know, if you're working in an office or, you know, in a, you know, medical setting, you know, hospital, whatever, so many people taking vacation and suddenly you're asked to do it, come in early or work another shift or something like that. And it just, I don't know. There's a lot of tumult. It seems to me in the summer. Yeah, great. That's one of the reasons I'm a big proponent of an extra long plan. Um, no mm. offense to Mr. Hal Higdon, but he had a wife, man. Look at all of the greats. They, all had, <laughs> they could get by with 16-week plans because they there was never a question ever for decades whether or not their run would get done that day. They didn't have to go into work early. If the kids were sick. They were not the ones that were hanging out. It was just a different time back then, and I think that – uh, the T-Lamb plans are Coach Amanda likes a longer plan. Mine, mine are everything about me is more exaggerated than Coach Amanda all the time. <laughs> FYI, in case you hadn't picked up on that. So my plans, her plans are long. Mine are a little bit longer. I look at that as, yeah, 20 weeks is, is a lot, lot to think about. But that's also a lot of leeway um, where oh, if things good. go wrong. It's, it's okay. You know what? This is why we have the extra long plan. Thank God we didn't do, you know, that 16-week plan. They'd be cutting it really short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way of looking at it and that because I think some people do think like, Oh, a twenty week plan, that's so long but I like your I like you saying a lot of leeway. I think that makes it sound um, a little spongier, a little squishier maybe, and a little more easy to hug. Fun fact, you know? my yeah. original ones were twenty six weeks. Oh my gosh. Wow. And Timothy's like, we can't be selling half year long programs. <laughs> I, I truly wish I had a, a picture of her face when that came out of my mouth. Nice, nice, nice. All right, well, let's talk terrain. And one thing that's when I was making up these notes, it sprang to mind a conversation I had with Jenny from Texas, who was at our retreat. And that um, the Ogden race, I mean, so MK, you've already alluded to this, that there's a lot of downhill races in Utah. Mm-hmm. And Ogden is downhill, but compared to a lot of them, it's not. It's true. But for, uh, for the, you know, so, but when you come from other states, it is, it has significant downhill. And Jenny was saying how she basically eats hills for breakfast. Mm-hmm. So she really loves a race where she can climb a lot. And it was like, oh, yeah, then this wasn't the race for you. Um, and and she ran the marathon and um, she had a, a great race for a couple other reasons. But, you know, she was saying that she definitely felt it in her quad. So if the two of you could talk a little bit about um, terrain and how that, you know, um, should affect your choice. Sure. Well, I mean, I'm just going to say uh, right from the outset that if you do live in a very, very flat place where it's difficult to get hills, it's not that you can't train for hills um, because you can, you can do it, you know, there, we can get very creative, whether it be, you know, on a treadmill or in a parking garage or whatever it might be. But um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, do, do with, do what, what you're, what you can work with um, uh-huh. train the way you can train. I mean, I always, you know, um, when I've done Boston, I've always been surprised when I'm on heartbreak Hill because to me, it's like, oh, this is this is it. This is the this is what you're talking about because I live in a pretty hilly area, mm. so you know it, it just makes it an easy transition um, to that. So that that's my opinion on that one. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for me, it's sort of again d- defining that expectation because um, there's this idea oh, a downhill race will be faster, and I'm like, yes, if you were rolling downhill in a barrel. It would be faster if it was a downhill <laughs> instead of uphill for sure, but that's not how you get into Boston. Um, so my fear is that people sort of think, oh, it's going to be easy because it's downhill. Therefore, I don't have to worry about strength and mobility and all these extras that Coach MK and Prehab that Coach Amanda wants you to, wants us to do because it's an easy race. And it's like, you know, it, the fact that consider, consider the terrain, I would argue that a downhill race requires just as much, if not more, um, preparation for a hilly race. For example, if you were running mm-hmm. an uphill race with me or with something, a race with like Big Sur with one gigantic two-mile hill in it um, or MDI or Steamtown, you would be on the same plan with me, the same tweaks, the same strength. And even despite the MDIs, a lot of gigantic rolling hills, Big Sur is one huge hill. Um, Steamtown is pretty much down, all downhill, just like, um, uh, just like Ogden. Um, and you, you're training on the same strength with the same, preparing for the, for the downhill race the same way you would practically an uphill one. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to add in um, a little mention on flat races too. I think there's mm-hmm. a perception, you know, easier, faster. Yeah. But they can also be a little more painful because you're oh. just, you're not I've, switching anything up. Exactly. Ever. So I was going to say the exact. Yeah, yeah. I was, Oh, that's you. You put that very succinctly and that's exactly right. MK because, and I was going to blather on about how my marathon PR is at Eugene, which is a, a very flat race. And um, I met a guy at a race expo here and he was telling me about the race that he organizes. And he was like, oh, it's flatter than Eugene. And I think I visibly blanched. Mm. Like I was like, oh, I don't want to do that race because my little muscles need some breaks. And those rollers in a race really give, give for me, give my muscles, particularly around my ankles, a break. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so what was the very t- wonderful tech term you said, MK? The, the, rate of fa- the, rate of- the rate of fatigue increases exponentially over time if you don't have any change in musculature. So uh, flat, flat and fast falls apart in races longer than a 10K distance. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. I'm writing that down because that's really good, MK. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, okay. So um, we've already touched on this topic and it's getting... Um, less predictable by the second, but let's consider weather when talking about race selection and um, both what the weather might be on race day, as well as how mother nature will treat you during training. Yeah. And I, I mean, um, one of the other things, you know, we already talked a little bit, like you said about, you know, my, my, I'm a fan of slog through the summer heat and have the payoff in the cooler fall. Um, but I think there's also something that should be added in there. And that is, you know, what kind of a runner are you in terms of how do you tolerate different weather mm-hmm. too? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I will say, you know, like in my running group, I, I run hottest out of all of us. And there have been times when we've all been planning to go to a particular marathon and I'm the one stalking the weather a week out and I'm like, shit, it's going to be, you know, a high of seven <laughs> and I'm freaking out and everyone else is like, Oh, I think it looks great, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And like, and they just all tolerate heat better than I do. And, um, you know, so I think know yourself and know know what your strengths are in, in that in that sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I I gravitate towards fall races in part. You know, there's there's less chance of pollen, and the, the weather is considerably, um, even though it is changing, it's a lot more predictable than spring. Spring is there's such yeah. a wide variance in what you you can get, and that variance is considerably narrower um, in the fall. My favorite my favorite time of year, or the, what I consider to be the optimal time to go for PRs, is October November, because even if you're traveling. We can still go back if you train with me because I, I, I think too much because you guys worry too much, generally <laughs> speaking. Um, I, I go through the Farmer's Almanac and I look at, you know, historical year on year, what's the weather been? And it gives you a pretty, you know, past performance is no guarantee of future return, but it's a pretty good predictor of what could happen or how wild that differential could be. All that just to say that, like, if you... Um, something like Steamtown is generally a good choice. It's later. It's later in the year. Um, but where is what? Hold on. Where is Steamtown? You've mentioned it a couple times. Is that in Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Home of the office. Mm-hmm. The one people like to get excited yes. about. Um, I'll, I'll usually suggest Steamtown, and people are like, "Nope, St. George." Out in Utah, doing that one, got in through the lottery. And I'm like, ooh, number one, that's early in September. So you're going to be training through the bulk of the summer heat, like with with not a lot of leeway. The worst, the, the, the depth and the bulk of your training is going to happen really in July and August. Um, and that's something to mentally prepare for, one. And two, there's not a lot of shade, and it's always sunny in St. George. So when you get there and there's no shade, if mm-hmm. you've been running early in the morning, if you really haven't, if you've been hiding from the sun all summer because you live um, like I used to in Texas, and the, the sun is scary, and you're like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to hang out inside all day long. The first time you've seen the sun is when you show up in St. George. That could, that could be a problem, too. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, you also mentioned shade and um I mean, that's so true about Boston. I mean, because there's yeah. no leaves on the trees. Uh, yep, yep. And so you think like, well, it's okay. You know, there'll be a lot of shade. Oh, no, there won't. Those spindly yeah. branches over your head do nothing. You know, they cast like pencil shadows on the road. And then the, the for so much of the first part of the race, the uh, any buildings there are, are so short. Like I'm thinking about um, through, oh my gosh, what's the name of that town? Oh, uh, Framingham is that no Natick through Natick is those buildings are so low that they're not tall enough to cast shadows. So you're just in exposed sunlight for so long on that race. Oh my gosh. And what can 
I think I think Boston is just the epitome of um, the unpredictable weather. I mean, you're going to get fire or you're going to get ice basically at that race, one or the other. And that's just, I mean, and it's it's mid-April. And so I think people should keep that in mind. You know, like mid-April, that's what you're looking at. It can be one extreme or the other and not a lot of times that it's in between. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. so, and then it's interesting. So the whole time, you know, Dim and I have been doing another, the Another Mother Runner thing, you know, we she's in Colorado, I'm in Oregon, she grew up in Minnesota, I grew up in Connecticut, so we very much are, you know, four-season gals. And it took us a while to realize that there's a whole swath of the country, otherwise known as the South, that that really races in the winter time. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and that they're, um, and so, you know, all like the Houston marathon and space coast and, you know, the, what's the one Dallas, the white rock or whatever it's called. Yeah. 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 That's a February. And they're all good Mm -hmm. races, but I would also say it's a different type of predictably unpredictable when you go down South, for example, Houston, um, kind of like Ogden, if the, if the sun's out, fun's out. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be better. (laughs) If the sun is not out and you see a cloud, it it could be like Boston this year. I mean, the there we've Mm -hmm. had some really rough Houston, Houston and Chicago are two races that I would never discourage people from doing. But I always throw the disclaimer out there. I've never had anyone achieve a PR at either one. Really? Mm -hmm. That's intriguing. Huh? We're actually thinking about being at the Houston Marathon Expo next year. I'm just going to throw that in there. I I Um, think it's terrific. The the tough thing about the South, though, is that once you throw humidity into the mix, it adds a mm -hmm. bigger wrinkle because then you're dealing with um, what we used to call, or at least what I call with my clients, the ultraviolet sandwich. So you have sun coming (laughs) down through all of this moisture in the air. It's being refracted off the ground and bouncing back up to you. So you're breathing it in, it's coming up from the ground and down from the sun, and you are baking in between that, like you're the meat of that sandwich. So that's something (laughs) to consider if you're not used to humidity and you're going somewhere humid. Humid is a bigger variable and a bigger factor than I can articulate in this podcast, or you would want me to try to articulate in this podcast. I'm just thinking of Underwood deviled ham. Like that's, that's the type of sandwich (laughs) that I'm thinking of. (laughs) You just become this shredded meat sandwich that that comes in a can. (laughs) Which I have to say, I loved those sandwiches as a child. And now it just makes me like, Um, but uh, yeah, but the, the, because humidity, I mean, particularly so um, Houston's in January And so, I mean, if you are not coming from the South, if you're training in Chicago, Minnesota, you know, Iowa, wherever it is, and then you go down there and it's not only warm, but humid, man, you better hope that that treadmill you were running on was like in a sauna because that's what it's going to feel like on race day. Totally. Richmond's another one that historically, if you look back, is a fantastic i mean it's a it's a great city and i, I mean oh, yeah. no disrespect to the city or to the race it's both are fantastic but in recent years it's trending way warmer i think this past year it was 80 degrees and humid by the time the race mm. started and by humid i mean well over 70 percent so right. and that's been the way the past few years i think so some races and that's in november really good where mm-hmm, it's a later race too that's yeah. my that's my PR course actually. I lo- I was just recommending it to some some girls at the retreat because they live in Tennessee, and I was like, oh, train through the tra- Tennessee summer and fall, and then go run Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I had not heard that that it's been warm. But I mean, it makes sense. Everything's getting warmer. I mean, you know, I think I think the reality is that September, early October marathons, you know, the, the time for those to be optimal times to run anymore that that window is going to close before too long, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's going to be, let's move things later into the year. Um, that's where November I always think is ideal. But. Right. Or I'm thinking about rock and roll San Antonio that used to be in November and was just getting blasted with heat. Mm-hmm. So they moved that to the first weekend in December. The challenging thing yeah. about December, January races is less the weather and more the change. So the the time change, we spring forward just about every year on New York marathon weekend. So we yeah. fall, we fall back. Fall back. Sorry. Fall yes. Back. Um, that, that's, that's mm-hmm. always the first Sunday at New York's always the first Sunday in November. And that's when the time changes training beyond that. It, the, the biggest trick mm. is that time change. Cause now you're getting up 
in the dark. And pretty soon that dark's going to turn to cold and that extends. So depending on where you are, it takes a lot of mental stamina, even if it's warm and you're in the South to run, like say Tucson, which is in February, Tucson, another great race, very downhill, very downhill. Um, be ready for that. But, you know, training for it, it's going to mean the difference is you're training for New York. You've got the sun rises and has you out of bed at 5.15 in the morning in the bulk of the summer. Tra during the bulk of your training, and, and sun might not be out till 8 o'clock some parts of the country in, in December. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My gosh, I, I hope we don't make it sound like there's no ideal race or time to train <laughs> or choose or anything. I mean, I think, I think you know, you, you can't, if there's, if there's 10 criteria, I think a race cannot check every box. Yeah, um, we're no. still, we still haven't even gotten to all the rest of them, but I mean, um, I do have to say hearing everybody, you know, disparage uh, weather in different parts of the country, I have to say, come to the Pacific Northwest. It's all, we can race in the summertime, you know, <laughs> like yeah. as long as you can, I know coach Amanda, you do, or coach MK, you do not like rain, but you know, if people can um, be willing to accept some rain on them, perhaps. I don't know. I mean, some rain, sure. Like I will run in a sprinkle, but I mean, a downpour. Whew. Oh, you see, we don't get any downpours. Now, I mean, with the, um, you know, changing environment, sometimes we do get heavier storms, but a lot of our, you know, I mean, I don't think the rain last year at um, Twin Cities, I, that was fine by me, um, but I know it could yeah. be an anomaly. Um, oh, no, I would have been fine running in that if I hadn't been pregnant, very sick with mm -hmm. a SI joint pain standing by the finish line waiting for people. <laughs> I would have been if I was running that in any other condition, it would have been awesome. Yeah. But I want to be careful with the word ideal. Mm -hmm. That's true. There is no ideal. But good enough is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So I, I always want to like prepare people for the downside. But also because what I don't want to have happen is like you wake up and you think it's going to be a great day. And then you, you just like my A goal is going to happen. And if we haven't discussed your A goal. It might not be that plausible. So you only get your B goal and then you've just set yourself up to feel bad, even if you had a great day. Mm -hmm. So demanding ideal all the time or perfection is walking a tightrope. And I choose not to do that. And I discourage people from thinking that way because if you're putting that much pressure on it, automatically you're, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's almost Murphy's law. You're inviting mm -hmm. it. Sure. So. Sure. So, so then, uh, one, one of the other criteria that, um, that sort of does seemingly affect just, um, race day, but, um, is crowd size and both the number of race participants as well as how many spectators there will be. So let's discuss this both as it applies to fasties who are, you know, going for that BQ or a PR as well as the middle to the back of the pack gals who, you know, want to not feel like they're out there alone. It's like you read my Cape Cod course report, Sarah. I know I sent that to Coach Amanda, but not. <laughs> so those, those are totally important considerations, and it's a matter of taste. Some people mm -hmm. love spectators. Some sure. people don't. Some people love um, tiny races where they're running by themselves the whole time. Others are like, there is no one here to block the wind from me, and I hate it. Um, again, just as long as you're as you do a, a little bit. Of of inward looking inward to say, what do I like? And what do I, what do I loathe? And making sure that you're at least somewhat aligned with that. It's never going to be there. There can be years where a, a, a course with, that normally has amazing spectator support, like flying pig might have none at all. Um, but generally speaking, these things tend to be pretty consistent. So if you're like, well, I hate crowds and I hate spectators, you know, <laughs> don't do Chicago. Right. Right. And I, I do want to put in a plug for, um, to awesome websites that can help you decide these things. Cause I think a lot of these variables, yes, you can find it out from the marathon website or the race website, but sometimes it's hard to gauge a lot of these other, um, kind of secondary tertiary considerations. And so, um, bib rave and race raves, um, bibrave.com race raves.com can are both really good at get reading other people's assessments of the races and talking about some of these issues, the crowd size, the spectators, you know, how well the water stations are, you know, um, serviced and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 I think that's a great idea. Um, and I'm going to say, I, in my opinion, I think there's a kind of a sweet spot out there, like 3000 to 5,000 people. I think that's a really nice sized race because you are going to have people around you, but you're not going to be overly crowded. You are going to have crowd support, but you know, not like 20 people deep, um, kind of crowd support. Um, so I think it's a, it's a real sweet spot to look for. I oftentimes think back with the first time we ever had Bart Yasso on the podcast and it was like fall of 2011. And we asked him what, 
what he thought was a great first marathon. And I remember he said he um, recommended that people choose a race that they can brag about. And I forget what his was, but it was some kind of small race. And he always felt that that was kind of a wah-wah type answer when people would say, oh, what was your first marathon? And I just thought like, okay, well, we should mention that if you want bragging rights, like perhaps if you think you're a one and done or for the marathon, you know, you may want to think about choosing... I don't know, Chicago, uh, you know, Twin Cities, something that has a little quote unquote cachet rather than just like, oh, yeah, you know, this little one out, you know, by my house. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my first marathon was um, 300 people and it was on a rail trail. It was an out and back. There was nothing else to it. Um, but I actually loved it. I, I, I was like, you know, there was like miles without seeing any other people. And but I was fine with that. So, so, you know, know yourself, like I'm okay with that, but some people really need the, the crowd support, you know? Yeah. So. I do think it is so important to know yourself because yeah, like you coach, man, I'm, it, it's nice. Like to me, Twin Cities has the perfect amount of spectators, but whereas New York, I just felt very overwhelmed by it. And, you know, it yeah. was just t- too much. It was sensory overload for me. And that was yeah. in 99. Yeah. I can't even imagine what it's like now, but, um, yeah. And the logistics that go into the big oh, races yeah. keep that too, you know? I mean, like like you mentioned Disney earlier. Uh, really? Getting on a bus at 3 a.m.? That, that that holds no appeal to me, uh-huh. you know? Like, uh-huh. just all of that build up, you know, before you even get to start the race, you know? I'd rather be able to just walk up and get on the line and go. Oh, yeah. Exactly. That's, that's, I'm a personal I mean, also then I think MK of Big Sur. I mean, having to ride the bus all the way to the starting line because it's a point to point course Mm -hmm. and they use the road, the only road that goes that way. So they have to get you out there so early. And it's, um, I was telling somebody, I forget who it was at our retreat, who was thinking about different races. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, do Victoria because, and she lived in the Pacific Northwest. I'm like, do Victoria. Like you walk from your, you rolled from your hotel room to the starting line and you can be like three back from the, from the line itself when you start. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the biggest variable for me that I personally look at, this is of all the things I discuss with other people, I rarely bring this one up, but it's how the race is corralled. Mm. That matters to me a lot. Um, when With the big races, it's hit or miss. When you've got 55,000 people, crowd control is just complicated. New York Roadrunners does... New York City differently than anything else I've ever seen. It is one of the best organized, best run races I've or best corralled races I've ever participated mm-hmm. in. Here's the difference. If you're going to Marine Corps Marathon, that's a free for all. You There are no. four corrals. You sort yourself uh, and you can change it that morning. There is no one saying you can't come in yet. So you are going out with a crush of people. It's a wonderful race. It is totally worth doing. But for that reason alone, it can make PR difficult if you're not at the front of the crush and everybody wants to be at the front of the crush with New York City. That's, I have to say, I have to interject and say that's shocking to me that, that a race of such high, you know, I esteem it so greatly, Marine Corps, to hear that that's a detail that they don't pay attention to is, is um, just has me a little flabbergasted to be quite honest. I guess they use all of their security on, uh, you know, secret service with the the president and his family. So, <laughs> no, I have, that's my best guess. Um, but with with the New York City, what makes it so cool is that you they release you one thousand people at a time. Mm-hmm. So if you're in wave, there are three waves, and each wave has, I think, uh, like something like eighteen. Um, uh, 18 corrals within it. So if you're in uh, wave one or wave two, you're never going to, you're probably not going to be running with more than a thousand people in it. It does not feel like a big race. It feels like oh. all those spectators are there for you and it's super cool. Um, if you're in wave three, it's a, it's pretty much like running Chicago or Marine Corps or even the, the worst I've seen is Las Vegas. Oh. Las Vegas R&R is another, oh. it's just so big. It's oh. completely out of control. Lots and lots of people. Is it, so, is it still that, but Dimity and I did the, rock or I ran the rock and roll half in 2011 and I remember you couldn't I could barely get my toe across the finish line because there was such a backup of people Mm -hmm. and to me Mm -hmm. that seemed like a logistic that obviously they would have worked out the following year and uh you know that was also when they were uh getting water from um uh fire hydrants from people who didn't wear gloves um so there was (laughs) yeah um so, wow, that's amazing they haven't fixed work that out. It doesn't make sense considering that they 
you know, the rock and roll tries to be the Starbucks of races. It might not be the best locally, but you know what you're going to get. And they mm-hmm. tend to corral everything mm-hmm. the same way, except Las Vegas. Why it's this, why it's so different and it's such an exception. I'm, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, coaches. Well, let's um, talk finally about where folks are on the fitness scale when they want to consider what race is there. So, you know, like if you've been doing five K's for the last year, you know, maybe now isn't the time to jump into marathon training schedule. Totally agree. And I will say right out, um, I'm not a fan of, um, (laughs) of couch to marathon. Um, and, and it, and it it happens, um, a lot. So I think, you know, there's a lot to be said for, um, taking a few years to become a runner, develop physiologically, you know, and then start tackling those longer distances. When it comes to any distance, I say first we train your body for the distance and then we train it for speed. So what's tricky for me is people coming in and saying, I'm going to do this race on this date. Um, Let's go and I want to hit this time or I want this plan with these features. And if I say, if I put any questions to it, all they hear is, I don't think you're fit enough, or I think you're ugly, or something that I would never say. They put some sort of moral judgment to it. Um, and then it's hard to, to kind of back out of that. I have written a plan that I think would get, I just accept if you say you're going to run a marathon, okay, how can I get you to the start line? I don't care about the finish line. I care mm. about getting you to the start line, ready to go and uninjured. And we, I mitigate that as much as possible in my plans. Um, for that reason, I'm, I'm like, I'm with coach Amanda. I don't like couch marathon. I just accept that it happens a lot, uh, a lot more than people even openly acknowledge and okay, but let's be honest, meet your body where it's at and work from there. And the, we're probably going to need to do a whole lot of strength. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay. So I give you ladies notes ahead of time, but I'm going to a curveball question just came to me. So you've had no prep for this. So, um, given all we've talked about, weather, destination, um, geography, elevation, you know, um, all that type of stuff, weather, hills, whatever, one, your most favorite race, you go first coach MK that you've run, that you've run. New York city marathon. No questions asked. A close second would be the broad street run in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. You didn't pause over that. My gosh. Wow. Okay. I love everything about it. I know that it's a, it's a PITA to have to get up so early. It's not quite as bad as Disney with the 2.30 a.m. wake-up call, but you uh-huh. do have to get up around 5 in the morning to get on the, the, the 6 a.m. ferry, and your start time might not be until 10 o'clock. But even still, it is such it's such a terrific way to see the city and it's such a fantastic day. It's an experience truly like any other. And, um, you know, not to be fair, there are plenty of good races out there, but New York just really does it for me. Okay. And coach Amanda, before I let you answer, I'm going to interject and say that's so intriguing. And it so goes to the point of the ideal race for you, because Mm -hmm. I was just looking, I'm, I, my big goal for this weekend is to clean out my closet And so I've been doing a little pre preparatory thinking about this. And I saw my 1999 New York city marathon sweatshirt that just sits there folded on the shelf. I never wear it. And I looked at it and I'm like, not only why do I keep that, but out of my 14 marathons, that is the one I rarely ever think about. And by far my least favorite marathon I've run. Really? So (laughs) yeah. So to each her own. That's Um, funny. Yeah. So, okay. So coach Amanda, I gave you a little extra time to think you can pay me back later. You know, uh, what? <laughs> go, what's your favorite race? Um, you know what I really, and I, I, I touched on it earlier. I love the Richmond course, Richmond marathon. Um, I love the time of year. Um, I love the size of the course and I love the course. It's, it's, I think it gives the, the ideal as ideal as you can get, um, you know, mixture of those, um, factors, you know, so yeah, that would be my choice. But you also get a lot of humidity in Baltimore, correct? Right. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't bother me. And, but no, like middle of November to me is not humid. Um, even going South to me, you know, it, Richmond's like two hours South of here. Um, and in November, I just, it, that's to you guys, it would feel humid to me. November here never feels humid. So fair enough. Yeah. But I come from altitude where we actually don't have humidity at all. So that might be something right. to another thing to think about, like zero to altitude, zero to humid. Mm-hmm. Right. I totally mm-hmm. agree. I totally agree. But yeah. 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 My hair looks very different in Baltimore than it does in Denver. 
So as you know, as wavy haired women will really respond to that comment. I just know. Um, so, and um, I'll chime in. My uh, favorite race is Twin Cities Marathon. I just, mm. to me, it's the perfect blend of the perfect size of kind of that mid-size um, running crowd. And then the, there are spectators, knowledgeable, enthusiastic spectators, almost the whole way, super scenic, really well-organized, um, and, you know, just Midwestern nice. Um, so, and another mother runner is always there. So, you know, that really adds to it, but yes. Um, MK, what were you about to say? If you've ever seen the 22 page uh, manifesto I've written about <laughs> races and how to choose them, uh, in the back of it, I have two race lists, races that you, you need to do just for the experience and races that are, uh, I recommend for PRs ranked by preference and twin cities is at the top of both lists. Oh, look at that. Now, where is this manifesto, Ted Kaczynski? I mean, Coach MK. Um. <laughs> I sent it to the New York Times. No, I, uh, we, have, I, we have it available um, in the Train Like a Mother Club, um, exactly oh. where I know it's behind a firewall after you've made the purchase. I was about to say, I was about to say they, they need the keys to the kingdom to be able to get to it, but... Um, yeah, just well, saying, that's good. you're going to get a lot of paperwork from if you trade with me, I write a lot. I'm like, here's the here's what you you will be so prepared. It's not funny if you don't mind reading. Yeah, but it's also but it's a PDF, right? So yes. so you know, they can they don't need to print it. So um, speaking from the land of trees, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, ladies, I think we've given people a lot to think about. They, they, I, I bet their head might be, you know, they'll need to run an extra mile while they need to just sort it all out and be like, it's okay. They told me, you know, the race that I've chosen probably wasn't the right one. But I think, um, I think a lot to think about and a lot to, as they consider their future races. Can I just say one thing? I don't yes, want people to think that way. The race I've chosen isn't the right one. Whatever you chose, you chose for a reason. Don't let mm. go of that reason and make sure that your expectations, your reasons, and your goals are all pointed in the same direction. Uh, it's not about mm. good or bad, right or wrong, X or Y, I'm falling off the tightrope. It's just about making sure that everything, again, is pointed in that same direction. You probably picked the right race. Let's pick the right attitude. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Boom. It's a wrap. We're ending on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Sure. Fun fact about Cape Cod. It's the I've had clients go there and spin out because no joke. It's where the writer of the song God Bless America is from mm. Falmouth. And they play it oh. instead of the national anthem before each race. And I've had people mm -hmm. go there and spin out over it. Like, they just, I can't believe they didn't play the anthem. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> so that's one of those things that's in the course report. Like, FYI, where we get there. <laughs> Please don't yell at the race director, especially if we are present. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, thank you, ladies. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye. Oh, well, I just love that attitude. I'm just going to talk to myself right now that pick the right attitude to go with the right race. I like that. I like that. So, all right. Well, um, I bet Dimity has some equal nuggets of wisdom over in the Train Like a Mother Club. Hey, it's Dimity here in the Train Like a Mother Club corner in back in Denver after a very fun retreat in Ogden, Utah with our AMR Bammers, and I'm sure Sarah's talked about it quite a bit, and you guys are going to just have to indulge me for one more couple minutes here. One more couple minutes, is that a phrase? It is now. Um, on the first night, we did this thing called a short collective biography as kind of an introduction to each other, and we broke off into small groups and had to figure out what everybody in the small group had in common, and it's a great way to get kind of discussion going. And so I was just going to read this short collective biography from one group. I don't even know which one it was um, because they all have the same colored pens. So it's anonymous here, but here we go. We all think cats are jerks. When we find change, we immediately think of Sarah. We own a dog. We all have given birth and we believe in drugs. We have all done a previous destination race. We would all go to bed earlier if we could. We have all roller skated. We've all been to Canada and we've run an extra mile so we don't have to go home. We've all been members of a Train Like a Mother Club training plan. We all hate liver and onions. We've all flown a kite, watched fireworks, fallen off a bike, had our wisdom teeth removed, and still believe in drugs, and done karaoke. 
and we all love many happy miles. And so um, with that, I wish you guys an amazing Memorial Day weekend, and we will see you next time on the Train Like a Mother Club Corner. Many happy miles. All right, we got a fun game for you all to play. You might have heard, you might have heard that Dimity and I both drive Chrysler Pacifica hybrids. So we want to bring you in on the fun. Um, and possibly that means hopping in the van when I see you out and about. But um, it also, the game that we're talking about is hashtag AMR Chrysler Spotted. And what we want is for you all to be on the lookout for the Chrysler Pacifica hybrids that Dimity and I each drive. Hers is black and mine is silver. And the way you can know it's ours is on the side passenger doors. Both sides are the Chrysler and the Another Mother Runner logos. When you spot one, take the photo and post it on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter using the hashtag AMR Chrysler Spotted. Everyone who posts will get one of our It's All Good I Ran Today bumper stickers, plus be entered to win grand prize drawing at the end of the year. Okay, okay, I know what you're thinking, that folks in Portland and Denver have a higher likelihood of spotting an AMR Chrysler, but I just drove mine to Seattle. I am headed back to Seattle in August for a podcast recording at noon headquarters. Most likely, my family and I are driving down to the Bay Area this summer in it, and I know Dimity has a few road trips in the works. So we are not just staying in our little berm of Portland and Denver, and I oftentimes try to park where it's very visible. I've gotten some great parking lately at Trader Joe's. When I go to Cycle Bar, I always try to park in a highly visible spot. So I'm, I'm looking out for you people. So just take a take a photo, put it up on whatever social medium you're out there on, and tag it with Hashtag AMR Chrysler Spotted. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Many happy miles.